The Start On Demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Thursday edition of the Mackling and McGarry podcast. And today is Miracle Treat Day at Participating Dairy Queens, wherein you buy a blizzard and proceeds raised go towards building a better children's hospital heart center. And Global's Blair Malastravich has a story about a family that has connections to this. It's a great story. You're going to want to hear that. For the small town salute this week, we go to Toulon, where the I Am Festival is happening. And just going to the website, imfestival.net, is a relaxing experience. So you can only imagine how relaxing this would be to be there in person. Valor FC announcing this week they have a new girls program. We will meet the head coach of the Valor FC girls elite team. That being Jim Zinko. He's got really cool hair, by the way. And keeping your pets cool in the heat. Animal Services, Leland Gordon from the city of Winnipeg paid us a visit and brought with him a dog named Makwa. Enjoy the podcast. Mackling McNabb McGarry in the morning. August 22nd, Loren McNabb joins us from Global Television, not just for a one-day visit. We'll let her stay for at least two days. Yes. <laughs> I think they're hoping it's going to last longer than that. Maybe three days. Maybe three days. Uh, we in, invite you to stick around uh, for the last, uh, well, tomorrow's really the last official day of Mackling and McGarry in the morning because you're on holidays next week. And then uh, we come back and uh, get going for the last week of August here. It's crazy how fast the summer's flown by. We startled some folks this morning when we mentioned that we were getting blizzards. They were from Dairy Queen, not a blizzard weather-wise. And, of course, we also just give away some Blue Bomber tickets. Who knew the answer to our trivia question, Jeff Fortier? Len Holderson. Len or Glenn? Len with an L. Congratulations, Len. He's going to see Bombers Tiger Cats IGF tomorrow night. We'll have another pair of tickets to give away tomorrow. Len knew that Mike Krusielniski and Marty McSorley were the two Edmonton Oilers that went to Los Angeles along with Wayne Gretzky. On this day in 1988. Congratulations, Len. Thank you very much for playing. We still have Blue Oyster Cult tickets to give away this morning. Wait for your cue to call on that. Next segment, we're going to visit with the University of Manitoba Students Union on these Saudi Arabia students who are having their scholarship funding pulled. So look forward to that conversation. But right now we want to touch on the blizzards that Greg just referred to as a blizzard indeed, has blown into Manitoba today. It's Miracle Treat Day at participating Dairy Queen locations, so that means you can help out the kids as you cool off with a sweet treat. You can show your heart today by buying a blizzard to help build a better Children's Hospital Heart Center. 100% of your blizzard benefits the Children's Hospital Heart Center. All money raised in Manitoba stays in Manitoba. Global's Blair Malastravich is here to tell us more. Blair, how are you, man? Nice to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you, too. I'm excited for Loren McNabb to join the show soon. I've worked with her a couple of years, and she's great, very yeah, talented. No, she's super pro, and uh, she's got a great sense of humor. So, uh, yeah, she is going to bring lots of lots of fun, lots to the table with us here. So you uh, have a great story as it pertains to Miracle Treat Day. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, so um, as we were talking about Miracle Tree Day, it was coming down the pipe, and we got a message from uh, from Toronto saying that there's actually a boy in Treehern that is receiving something from Dairy Queen as uh, to deal with as to help him cope with the struggles that he's had for the past four years. Uh, Jackson lives in Treehern. He's six years old. When he was two years old, he was complaining of foot pain. And so his parents took him to uh, the Pan Am Clinic. And they said, you know, you should probably take him to Children's Hospital. So they went to the Children's Hospital. They realized that he had uh, uh, hopefully a benign tumor on his hip and the top of his leg. So he was suffering from... That's what was happening, and he, that's what was causing the pain. Uh, Children's Hospital said because he was so young, they wanted to wait to act on it, just to monitor it, because they didn't want to have to do length shortening or something that could cause long-term issues. So they waited, and during that time, he had to endure things um, like, of course, chronic pain, as well as he would get bone fractures. So he was in something called hip spica, which is where they put the cast from your waist all the way down. So oh at two years old, two, three, and four, you can imagine that being really hard when you're a little kid. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, he actually um, had the surgery and and they corrected his hip and they put in hardware. So he's able to have mobility and live life uh, like a normal kid as best as he possibly can. But it was a tough couple of years. Wow. You know, and I I talked to his dad. His dad seems like one of those, you know, tough guys. And just talking to his dad about how it is to tell your kid that uh, he can't do things. It was really hard, you know, telling him, sorry, you can't do that. Sorry, you can't play that sport. You know, sorry, you can't go tobogganing with your buddies. You know, it was was like having a kid in in a bubble. So how long did Jackson have to go without the surgery? So he went, so he just had it like three weeks ago. So he was a little bit, uh, I think he was almost three years old and then carried through till just recently. And how old is he now? He is six now. Oh, man. So with him being with six years old, you know, I went to his I went to his house and we, we played baseball together and to see him running around, he has a little bit of a limp, but you would otherwise have no idea. Um, and he plays, the reason why we were playing baseball is because that was one of the activities that uh, doctors said it would be okay for him to do because if he was batting and, and catching, he could stand still and he could swing a bat and stuff like that. So we were playing T-ball and he might be better than me at six <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I, you know, talking to the family, you can hear how appreciative uh, the dad is for the Children's Hospital, which is really what all this Miracle Treat Day is about is going to Children's Hospital Federation. Well, here's what he had to say about that. At HSC was fantastic. Our doctor is is just remarkable. And, uh, you know, we'd like to thank them for, for everything that they've done and, and giving him a life where he can, you know, be a kid. So he can be a kid again. And how has Jackson taken to that? <laughs> so I feel like Jackson was not phased, even though I know he was, but like I said, he just seems like he's just a happy kid. I, I wouldn't even be able to tell. I got there and he was playing Fortnite on PlayStation, also better than me. Um, he <laughs> He's really great. And then when they found out that Dairy Queen was, the, he Jackson and his dad got selected to go with a group of um, child patients who get to go check out uh, Toronto's Blue Jays game because baseball was such a big love of his when he was going through his hard time and also now in his recovery. Um, Just sometimes interviewing kids as reporters can be a challenge. He was not. He was delightful. You can hear his reaction to finding out that he gets to go to Toronto. I was like so excited. I was 
I was like, Dad, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and even when Jackson and I were talking about being in the hospital, he was just, I mean, kids are so greatly honest. He was like, yeah, I was sometimes bad and sometimes good. And there's this long pause. And I said, were the people nice? And he says, yes. And then he goes, I got to have lots of popsicles, which is a pretty good attitude. To have. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was great. And then, you know, the fact that he gets to, to go to Toronto is great. And his mom who didn't really want to be on TV, but I convinced her to talk. She talked about what that means to Jackson. He's had two rough summers now where it's been the start of summer and he's fractured and that's the end of your summer. Yeah, I guess that that's it, right? I mean, I had uh, last month, I just kind of tweaked my back a little bit and it sort of threw off my, my golf game, not to mention the fact that I've just been sore for a while, but that's it, right? I mean, you know, I be a hard time being a kid and not being able to go outside and play. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard to see that. You know, you see all the energy that kid had and, and talking to the parents. So, you know, I always, I'm always impressed by the dads that are, when they get to that point of like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't play with my boy. I couldn't go out and do sports. He couldn't hang out with his friends. He couldn't do, you know, they felt like a little bit of his childhood was like taken from him a little bit in that way. Like, so I think now he's, Jackson has stored up enough energy to keep them going for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm sitting here very quiet listening to this because I can only imagine uh, what Jackson and his parents have been through. And there are so many children that go through these things and, and around the world every day. And the parents that have the strength to create children with the disposition and the spirit that Jackson clearly has, they're they're. They're the superheroes as well because, you know, the kids only can only feed off what their parents instill in them and how comfortable that they might make them feel going through something that is clearly unusual. But when you come out the other end of this and you have an attitude like Jackson's got, clearly the doctors, the nurses, the caregivers and the parents have done and probably grandparents and extended friends and family have done an incredible job. Just a powerful story, Blair. The thing that I found that was most was a takeaway for me was the fact I don't have kids, um, but I realize I have friends that have children and I'm just looking at you those parents that are out there that don't, their child doesn't have to deal with these kind of things. You should feel incredibly lucky. You should, because it's, it, these are hard times and seeing these parents go through that. You're right. It's, it's the attitude of like, you got to stay positive because kids are very empathetic and they're great parents. Cause I would not be that happy if I was six years old. He was going through like showing me stuff he was going to pack in his suitcase. He's like throwing sunscreen in his gigantic iPad he had. Fantastic. Yeah, just a just a great kid and a, and a really good story. It turns out really well. So we got shots of them right down in the in the dugout for, from Toronto. So that's really great. Isn't that exceptional? When can we uh, see the story, Blair? It'll be tonight at six o'clock. Right on. Blair Malastravich from Global TV, Global Winnipeg, joining us coming down from the ivory tower over at uh, Portage and Maine to come slum with us radio dogs. Blair, good to meet you. Good to see you, man. Thanks for coming to hang out. Yes, it is time for the Small Town Salute. It's brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart. SouthBeachCasino.ca This week we are headed north to Toulon, where the I Am Festival is taking place this weekend. To tell us more, we are joined live 
on 680 CJOB by Maurice Thibodeau, chair and creative director of the I Am Festival. And Maurice, I got to tell you, I'm looking at this website, imfestival.net, and just looking at it, the, the, the font scheme, seeing the people just chilling out, I'm already relaxed just looking at it. So I can't imagine, I can only imagine how relaxing it is to be there. Yes, uh, well, I'm glad you feel that way, because that's exactly what we're going for. So what is the I Am Festival? Well, it's a, it's a great question, and it's been one of the things that we've actually struggled to get exact words for. Um, so I'm going to start with telling you what it's not. You know, it's not a yoga festival. It's not a music festival. It's not a mindfulness festival. But what we've done is we've taken elements of all three of those things, and we've combined it in one weekend experience. So the best way that we can describe it is it's, it's a discovery festival, or we've also kind of coined the word restful. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes. <laughs> the idea of a retreat plus a festival, um, you know, you can come here and instead of like going to a festival where, you know, at the end of three days, you end up feeling like your mind's been through a blender. Uh, instead, you come here and the end of the three days, you still get right the, the the surge of energy and the connection and and all the inspiration that you get from from a festival, but you can come away also feeling revived and relaxed and rejuvenated. Hey, what was the inspiration for this, Maurice? Because obviously a lot of more people are getting into the different elements you outlined: yoga, mindfulness, uh, meditation. Sort of getting in touch with ourselves. There's a lot of people. Uh, who see that as sort of hippy-dippy stuff. But, you know, let's be honest. Uh, we're learning more and more about how important it is to get connected not only with uh, uh, how fast our heart is beating and how many steps we take every day. We're, we're learning more about how to control our breathing and how to take ourselves to appropriate places to 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 really capture the strength of our inner self. That's exactly it, and that's kind of part of the beauty of how this came to be. It wasn't a, hey, let's go and build a festival. It came about, uh, and it was inspired very organically. So we co-created it with, with Keith McPherson, who is, is an author and mindfulness coach and musician from Winnipeg, who we met by accident about five years ago. And um, as a business nerd, and my wife and I have always been in, into the, the personal kind of self-growth um, learning, we sparked up a conversation with Keith, and within a year of knowing him, we started to talk about how, you know, we, we needed a different type of festival. And Keith came from such a mindfulness background that we combined our two different perspectives, and it was like, hey, let's create something on, on this property that we have and and it was it was basically born. Keith McPherson, by the way, an incredible musician. Uh, he is just a wonderful uh, performer. If you ever get the chance to hear him sing, it is truly a delight. And he's just a really nice guy. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's really cool. Uh, how many years have you been doing this now? This will be the third year. And where exactly is it? If we're because we, I know it's not right in Toulon. That's right. If you. Uh, if you hit Route 90 and go about 45 minutes from uh, north from Winnipeg, uh, it's it's 10 minutes west of Toulon. Uh, super easy to find. It's actually, it, it's a it's a it's it's a whole three turns. I've done it many times from the airport uh, 
can almost do it in my, in my, my sleep from Route 90. It's you go 40 minutes and then you end up turning two more times. So you got to tell me, Maurice, uh, what is your favorite of these sort of uh, three things, uh, the meditation, the yoga, and uh, just the all-encompassing mindfulness? Uh, what, what do you find most helpful for you, or is it a combination of, the, uh, uh, of things? It's, wow, it's, it's a combination. Uh, for me personally, it would be the mindfulness and creative, uh, what I call creative expression or arts. Um, because we've got things like, like dance expression, and then we've got the live stage with music, and then we've got like art, you know, painting mandalas and, and creating art out of nature. So those are the creative aspects of the things that I really drive into personally. Do we know why? We know, at least, we seem to understand that painting and doing different sort of crafts can relax us, but do we know scientifically what's happening when we're doing those things that, that make us feel more relaxed? Uh, we, we do, um, and, and this is where Keith or my wife would give you a much better scientific answer, but what happens is we trigger different parts of our brain when we do it. We, like, we don't actually have the, well, unless you meditate a whole bunch, um, the, the, the ability to just be like, oh, I'm going to have this part of my brain work. But when we dive ourselves into a creative project, we unconsciously unlock one of the things that is beautifully human. Um, and that unlocks an aspect of us that when we're in the grind, um, we sadly don't access most of us sadly don't access for the majority part of our lives yet it's one of the most unique things that makes us human so having an opportunity and almost um uh, an immense opportunity to dive into your creative self creates uh just a tremendous and uplifting opportunity and there's like loads of that represented in the festival and really any of the program we, we do one of the things that I see on your website here, which is really cool about this, because summer is so busy for a lot of us, so somebody listening to this right now might think, I want to go to that, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to find anybody to go with. Well, you have just the ticket for that, don't you? Yeah, we really do. Um, like, There's a combination of come as like come for the night, day, or full weekend, and we also have a buddy program. Um, so one, if you want to show up and actually have a way to meet other people, we have a specific mechanism on the website to do that. And then the other thing is we've had many, many people come here and come actually on their own on purpose. Um, and what they find is like when we say, come as you are, we're just so glad you're here. Uh, and it feels more like we're hosting the whole team, we're hosting people that come. It's not a festival site. This is actually Tracy and I's home. And, and when, when they come, it's open arms and say, hey, we're so glad you're here. And it feels, we've had many, many people say, it feels more like a family experience than, you know, this, this commercialized thing that I'm going to. Any llamas, alpacas, goats? <laughs> not, not, not yet. Lots of uh, natural uh, wildlife. Um, but, but we haven't extended the farm to that, to, to, to include a petting farm quite yet. 
Well, the, the location that you have chosen, it looks like it's very well protected from the sights and sounds from the outside world, and uh, it sounds like the perfect spot to hold such a festival, the I Am Festival. Maurice Thibodeau, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much. You guys have an amazing day. Right now, we want to talk about Winnipeg's newest sports club, which is starting an elite soccer program for teenage girls called the Valor FC Elite Girls Team. The program will be open to female players between 14 and 17 years old. Jim Zinko is the team's head coach. He's live in studio with Mackling and McGarry. And Jim, fantastic to meet you. Thanks for taking some time with us. Congratulations on this. Maybe you could walk us through how this came to fruition. Well, that's that's a long story. I don't think we have that kind of time. But what we did uh, was originally uh, the Manitoba Blizzard existed as a program for girls. Um, back in 2010 was our first competition. And after that, uh, we grew into what eventually became a girls and a boys program. And uh, that kind of went for a year or so um, and uh, with with Valor FC and their approach on the men's side of the game and the opportunities that exist for the boys, we kind of went a step backwards a bit and just concentrated on the girls again. I've known Rob Gale, uh, the general manager and coach for Valor, for a long time, and we have a, we have a history. So, so we got to talking about this girls' side of things, and it went from there. So the transition from being the Manitoba Blizzard to the Valor FC elite girls team, other than the, the name change, what else changes? It Really what changes is, is the behind-the-scenes support, ultimately from Valor FC and, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who own them. Um, I can't thank that group enough for the things that they do and the, and the people and the, and the resources they kind of offer to us. Um, as needed from time to time. It's been it's been exceptional. I mean, just being on this show, and thank you for having me here, um, is the result of their press release. If we would have put that out as the Manitoba Blizzard, nobody would have said a word, right? But but it carries weight in the community. I mean, they're a sports entertainment icon, and, and we're very pleased to be associated with them. I mentioned to you that we were speaking to a couple of the young uh, young men that are across the pond in England playing soccer right now as part of the under-15 Bonnie Vitell program, and Malcolm Mitchell, a friend of mine, and obviously someone that you're familiar with, uh, and, and, and Jim. So this whole idea of clubs, professional clubs in Great Britain, in Spain, in Italy, this is a model that is sort of employed throughout the world, right? These academies, talk about that. And is that something that maybe we're working towards here in Canada, potentially? I think that's something to be seen. I mean, I I know that the new Canadian Premier League wants to grow and and it wants to do it the right way. And it's a FIFA level one um, uh, league. So, so the clubs are expected to do certain things, and I'm sure over time that that's those are things that they'll grow into. But I think that they'll also do it the right way, which is to to grow slowly and and make sure it's being done right. 
So the girls that you get to play with, uh, is it like is it going to be an all new team, or is it going to be some of the same girls who will be on this team? Right. So what we've got actually is we've got um, two different competing teams, uh, and we've added an element this year as well, uh, which is our is our graduated girls, meaning our our girls who are done in their grade eleven year. Um, and and so we have we have a group of grade nine and ten girls that play. Those are all new. Uh, and then we have grade 11s, some of whom came from the year prior with the Manitoba Blizzard, um, and some of whom have been added this year through a trial process and and that kind of thing. So we so we've got those two teams. They travel and compete. And then what we've started this year is we have probably uh, uh, 12, 13 girls who are committed to universities. Uh, in Canada and the U.S. who had finished with us in grade 11. Traditionally, we would have stopped there. This year, um, we've said that we'll keep moving forward on the training side so that they can prepare themselves physically at least to be ready to go come their freshman year at whatever university they attend. I've always said, you know, Manitoba punches above its weight on so many things uh, when it comes to team sport in particular in in volleyball and and hockey and soccer we're really starting to put our stamp on the national scene with 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 meddling at, at different levels uh, over the last several years. Manitoba is not necessarily becoming a powerhouse, but it's certainly becoming a province to be reckoned with on the national scene. And that is has to be part of or indicative of what's going on on the coaching level and, and the training level. Oh, for sure. I think I think we try. Um, there, there's a solid core group of soccer people in this city. Um, and throughout the province, I mean, they're growing in Brandon and, and Winkler and elsewhere. Um, and, and that that core group of people does a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of, of youth players. And they do a great job. And all of our players come from those entities, those clubs. Um, they just, we take hopefully the best of those ones and, uh, and offer them an opportunity to, to hit another level again, right? But yeah, we do punch above our weight. Uh, I think the thing that we dislike more than anything uh, from a Manitoba perspective is that that those in soccer in Canada seem to fly over Manitoba an awful lot and miss a, a lot of our players, and we don't like that. So we enjoy uh, we enjoy punching above our weight. What do you mean they they fly over? They don't stop here. And I. I at one time, that was definitely true. I think that's not as true anymore um, as a result of the work that's being done in the community. But uh, if, you're a, if you're a head coach of a, of a Vancouver Whitecaps or a, or a Canadian national team or, or something like that, and you're in Vancouver, BC, that's your home, or, or you're in Toronto, um, it just makes sense for you to see those kids every day and get used to them and know them. And, and if you're going to bring in somebody who's you know from Winnipeg or Saskatoon or someplace else, and they only got a couple days to show something. I mean, they've got to be extra, extra special to take somebody else's job. It's uh, it's just the way that that is, right? So on that front, how beneficial has it been for soccer in Manitoba, boys and girls, to have someone like Rob Gale based in Winnipeg, coaching a national program as he did? Uh, has that led to uh, Manitoba becoming a larger pipeline? Oh, for sure it has. Uh, Rob Gale is the best in my opinion and um he when he was the technical director of of manitoba soccer we we did different things um to try and promote 
um, our players at the national level when he ultimately became involved with the CSA. Uh, you saw more of our players make debuts uh, on various youth teams. Um, it made a big difference, and, and he's a huge part of, of the success that Manitobans have had over time. So if anybody wanting wants to get involved in this, like if there's a teenage girl who wants to try her hand, uh, is, will there be tryouts? Like, how does that work? How do you get involved? Yeah, so this year we've already held our tryouts. Uh, we've got our teams. We do it very early in the year. We don't compete starting until uh, November, the U.S. Thanksgiving long weekend. We're going to be in San Diego at one of the top uh, competitions in North America. Well, that sounds like a like a real hard uh, thing to have to endure. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you very much, and and my family feels sorry for me too. Yeah, San Diego. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, so so um, so we do this a lot in advance, and and our program really is about uh, education. It's about educating families, parents, uh, kids in the recruiting process. Um, so so knowing what to do, how to do things, and why to do them. Um, and then carrying out those responsibilities ahead of playing any soccer at all is really what we concentrate on at this time of year. And then, uh, and then we go off and hopefully the, the girls show well and, and over time they've, they've shown exceptionally well. With respect to your question about how do, how do girls get involved, it's all done. These are all club players. So we really want to, um, and I know Rob Gale really wants to have good relations um, and, and a good setup with, with all the clubs in Winnipeg. And be able to announce, you know, various dates for all kinds of things that Valor FC is doing, and this would be one of those programs. So, well, Jim Zinko, the head coach of the Valor FC Elite Girls Team, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate the visit, and uh, it's great that you're now associated with uh, Valor FC. Well, thank sure. you very much for having me. It's been great. If you're feeling hot, just think about how your four-legged friends are doing. Dogs, cats, and other pets depend on us to help keep them safe, and that includes staying out of the heat. So to tell us more about what steps you have to take to keep your pets cool and happy, we are joined in studio by Leland Gordon from the City of Winnipeg Animal Services Agency, along with a special guest, a handsome beast, We've got, we, well, we'll thanks for you, having Leland. me. We have a wonderful dog. He's my favorite dog. He's been in animal services for four months. For, so for the love of God, Winnipeggers, please step up. Go to Winnipeg Animal Services on Facebook or on Instagram or go to winnipeg.ca and see some lovely pictures of Makwa. We're looking at about a two-year-old shepherd mix. He's super friendly. He loves to snuggle. He gives kisses. Um, I Just a very nice dog. And um, he's been there for a while. So if you're in the market for a, a pet, make sure you're prepared to take care of that pet for its entire life. Mm-hmm. Take it to the vet every year. Good food. A great home. He needs a home with a very active lifestyle. A farm would be great. A house with a large fenced yard. But if you're ready, he's spayed and neutered. Comes with his uh, microchip, all that kind of stuff. And a license, of course. Um, make sure you come down and visit Animal Services. Well, he is a beautiful dog. Thank you so much. There's something so therapeutic just about having a dog in the room, I find. Absolutely. You know, dogs and cats, of course, bring lots of love to so many people. So I encourage people, when you're ready to get your next pet, consider adoption. Either come to Animal Services or go to one of the great animal shelters in Winnipeg or one of the great rescues that are operating in Manitoba. But let's segue 
into hot pets. <laughs> Let's do that. You know what? It's absolutely hot outside. So I'm going to breeze real quick through some common tips that we need to give for people who have pets that people might not just be thinking uh, about their pets in this cold, in this hot weather, of course. He's going to breeze through it. I'm going to breeze, breeze through these. I'm going to breeze through these talking hot points. Let's talk about grooming. If you've got a dog that needs to be groomed regularly over the summer when it's super hot out, what's one of the greatest things you can do for your dog that needs to be groomed? Uh, let me guess. Get them a haircut. You are absolutely right. Yeah. And there's a bazillion places in Winnipeg where you can get your dog groomed. Also, think about the collar. When you have a collar on your dog, right, it can rub up against the hair if it's too tight or up against the skin if it's too tight. You always want to be able to get two fingers underneath your dog's collar. So if your dog is sitting here listening to this wonderful radio show with you right now, <laughs> put two fingers underneath that collar. Oh, I like the way you're thinking. Okay, when, this when is good. When your pets are at home, keep your pets at home with, in the home with you. Don't leave them outside on a hot day. It's not rocket science, right? And have plenty of uh, water available. And of course, if you're going shopping, leave your pets at home. No Don't bring kidding. your pets shopping with you and leave them in the car. It's absolutely awful that we are still getting you know, the occasional cruelty complaints regarding people uh, leaving uh, dogs in their car or pets in their car. If you ever see that, you call our friends at the Humane Society because they enforce animal cruelty in Winnipeg. Um, last resort is you would call the police. Leland, I want to give a shout out to the folks at Rona who have signs in their window, in their doors, at the main entrance that say, hey, if you brought your dog, they don't say you're a bozo. I'll say you're a bozo on a hot day or otherwise. Leave your dog at home. Uh, they say bring Fido into the store with you. They basically invite you to do that. And there are more and more businesses that are say, that are pet friendly, right? Because we know that our dogs are our buddies and that we like to take them places. And uh, sometimes we make uh, less than perfect decisions. So I just wanted to give Rona a shout out for, That's great. for making that accommodation for us. And even a few minutes us. or even if you leave your windows cracked, like let's not go down that route. No, just leave. No, your, if you're going no. to a pet store, sure, bring your dog with you. Bring your dog in the pet store. But for, in the other scenarios, plan ahead and leave your your pet at home. Before you keep going there, Leland and I, I know we've got lots of time, so okay, there's, there's, there's no rush. We don't right. have to. We don't have to rip through all these points. <laughs> okay. But I, I just want to circle back to the. You said so. If I am in a parking lot, and this actually happened a couple of weeks ago, there was a dog in someone's car at Grant Park, and there were, there was this guy who was kind of waiting around, and, was, and he was stopping people. Is this your car? No. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a dog in here. Uh, so if that happens, especially on a day like today, tomorrow, Saturday, where it's going to be 36, you say we should call the Humane Society? So what you would do is what that gentleman was doing was right. You want to, first, if you see a dog in a car, right, and it's super hot out, you want to ask around, is this your dog or go into the nearby store? So try and get it rectified yourself without having to use additional resources. But if the dog's in there for a while and it's starting to go into distress, absolutely. In Manitoba, animal cruelty laws are enforced in Winnipeg by the Humane Society. Animal cruelty is provincial purview. Um, so you would. You would call the Humane Society first. Last resort, you would call the, the Winnipeg Police Service. But again, always try and get the thing, uh, the situation rectified by yourself first so we cannot involve the Humane Society. Um, or the police service. What about breaking the window? Um, In a scenario like that, um, I can't give advice as far as whether or not somebody should damage somebody's property, but how do we work as great Winnipeggers as a team to prevent scenarios like that? Leave your your pets at home when you go out shopping. 
Two things about water. The first one you already touched on, but in terms of water temperature for the dog, I know I made the mistake of, well, at least I think it was a mistake, of letting the water run so that it was cold. Room temperature is perfect for the dog? or Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with room temperature for water whatsoever, right? Um, so you want to have plenty of water. If your dog is outside, make sure, and it's for a prolonged period of time, maybe with your family outside, you're sitting enjoying an, uh, an evening in your backyard, have a, have a bowl of water nearby. But don't leave your dog outside all day, like chained to a dog house mm-hmm. or something like that in 35 degree weather, right? Um, you know, you love your pets, right? You have a pet for some reason because it's providing you companionship. Uh, then you're responsible for that pet. And it's important that, you know, if you're going away for the day, you're going to work, keep it in a cool area in your home. Now they have these really cool things. They're uh, foldable, portable water bowls. They're they're square, but they're plastic, and you can fold them up, put them in your pocket. Absolutely, and you can get all those types of. There's lots of different types of portable water water bowls, and you can. They there's little foam ones that'll just expand when you open them. There's ones like you just described. So if you're heading out for the day, like you're bringing your dog to a park and you're having a picnic, um, or you're going biking with your dog for a short bike ride, bring a water bowl with you, a, a collapsible one, and of course bring water with you. And what about the walks? How how long should the walks? Well, be? it's all rocket science. Like uh, as humans. We're not going to go out for a super long walk when it's 35 degrees, and so you don't want to do the same with your with your dogs because they have a fur coat on, right? Um, so ultimately, you want to take shorter walks um, when you're out when the temperature is like this. But let's also talk about bike riding with your dogs. In, I, I in don't heat like, like the this. safety. The, never mind the heat, Leland. The, the safety thing that mm-hmm. that one bugs me. That along with people that walk their dogs in their cars, uh, just it rubs me the oh, wrong with way. The, I know what you're saying on the it, perimeter ones. Sometimes you see somebody running their dog next to their car absolutely so they are they can be unsafe but if people choose for whatever reason to take their dog out on a bike ride do it on a cooler day. Do it first thing in the morning. Same thing with if you're, you know, obviously it's, it is illegal to run your dog next to your car, you know, on a street um, on the on the edge of the city, right? But if you're going to do something illegal like that, at least do it when it's very cool out, right? And of course, I'm not condoning doing anything illegal in Winnipeg. Um, but with regard to biking, you know, if you're taking your dog out for a bike ride, that pavement, especially on a day like today, can get incredibly hot, especially if that pavement is black, like a black tar. Mm-hmm. And so you take your dog bike riding for a, a period of time on that, the dog's paws can actually start to burn and melt away. So oh on a God. day like this, do not take your dog bike riding whatsoever. How many of us have had the experience of going to the beach and the sand is too hot for our mm-hmm. bare feet? So imagine that. You don't want that uh, your dog going through that. Absolutely. So, And of course, if you're bike riding with your dog, and I guess we don't, it, it is legal, but we're not overly condoning it. But if you're bike riding with your dog and your dog starts falling behind you, they're done. especially on a day like today, that dog is done. Your dog should be right next to you or leading. And if you're finding yourself biking in front of your dog, even on a cool day, they're done, right? And we don't want any dogs having a heart attack or dropping dead because their person decided to go bike riding for two kilometers when it's 35 degrees out and the dog dropped dead. How do you prevent that? Think ahead, be smart, and don't take your dog out for crazy long walks, bike rides, or, of course, running next to your car uh, on a 35-degree day like this. What can you do if you have a bad neighbor who is a bad pet owner and they you see that they've got their, they're leaving their dog outside all day in this heat? What do you so do? So in Manitoba, as I said earlier, all cruelty issues are enforced with something called, under the Animal Care Act. So I encourage anybody who's interested in cruelty issues to search online, go Manitoba Animal Care Act, and all the responsibility 
liabilities of pet owners are listed on there, and again, that's enforced through the province. But if you think somebody is neglecting a pet, whether it be a cat or dog or whatever, um, if you search online uh, provincial animal care line, there's actually a page the province has set up that describes all animal cruelty issues and all the different ways to report them. So you can report them online. You can call a phone number. The, uh, the, uh, this so they shouldn't call you. Oh, so we enforce a different law. We enforce something called the Responsible Pet Ownership Bylaw, which is more of a livability bylaw, you know, stray animals running the streets of Winnipeg, licensing, uh, my neighbor's dog is barking, driving me crazy, what are you going to do about it, Leland, that kind of stuff, where (laughs) where cruelty issues are under the Animal Care Act. And in Winnipeg, the contractor for the province is the Winnipeg Humane Society. So I would encourage people to search online, Animal Care Line is what it's called, and uh, there's a nice provincial page that totally talks about cruelty issues and all the different ways that people can report them anywhere in Manitoba. The reason I ask is I once witnessed, I was at, I can't remember, I was at a friend's place and it was pouring rain and there were these two dogs next door that were chained up and they were, they were stuck in the rain and uh, the chains were wrapped in a way where they couldn't get shelter. There was a, there was a, they couldn't get under the, you know, the, the, the roof and when it was time to feed the, these dogs, uh, one of the kids went outside with a pot and just hurled what looked like leftover craft dinner at these two dogs. And they almost killed each other trying to get to this food. And uh, a phone call was made, I think, to the city maybe, and the dogs were taken away mm-hmm. within a couple of days. Okay. But uh, so that's why I'm just curious when I see, when I, in, and in this case, uh, it's good information to know because sometimes we see things that we don't like to see and we want to know what to do about it. Well, I would always tell people, like, I love Winnipeggers. We're all good people, right? I love friendly Manitobans, right? We always want to first try and work with your neighbor first, right? That's a difficult conversation sometimes, though, right? So, so, but if you have the point where you can actually talk to your neighbor, right, and kind of discuss it, even through mediation, there's a greater organization called Mediation Services in Winnipeg that's a free service that uh, the city of Winnipeg helps support. If you can work something out, whether it be a dog issue, a cat issue, or your neighbor's not letting their... uh, they're, they're, your neighbors letting their lawn grow too long or their paints and that kind of stuff. And we can work with our neighbors and build strong and healthy communities by that. We obviously want to do that first. But of course, you're right. There are some people where you can't talk to your neighbor, right? And it's not going to go over well. And in those scenarios, especially in animal, animal cruelty issues, you would, again, contact the provincial animal care line. Or if you have RPO issues, our responsible pet ownership bylaw. And of course, that's also online. People can go to winnipeg.ca and go into the animal services section. And our full bylaw is there. And of course, if you can't talk to your neighbors, you can always call our friends at 311. All right. Leland Gordon with Animal Services for the city of Winnipeg. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and for introducing us to Makwa. If people want more information or want to see pictures of Makwa, please visit winnipeg.ca, go into animal services and our pet education section, of course or like us on Facebook or Instagram under Winnipeg Animal Services. And thank you so much for having us. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.